You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 on your Monday, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We're joined by the Assistant Director of Scouting and Head Western Scout over at McKean's Hockey, Derek Newmeyer, friend of the show. We've had him on plenty of times in the past. But Derek, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well, Patrick. Thanks for uh, having me back. Hey, no problem. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on. Uh, we'll, obviously, you're, you're, you, uh, we'll talk about the draft and, and what uh, some upcoming guys here to watch for and mainly focus on the WHL. But I kind of want to get your sense on this Calgary Flames team uh, right now. Like, like it's just like it's hard to take anything they do really at face value. They've done this before. Where they can go on a, a win streak and then they'll go and lose three straight. But with all that's happening with the noise regarding Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, and to a lesser extent, maybe Jacob Markstrom, how do you feel? Like, how are you assessing this group? Like, this is some good hockey. They might be playing their best hockey right now with all that noise happening. Yeah, there are certainly good parts and bad parts to it. Um, the bad part would be, you know, if they do end up missing the playoffs, it's probably not mm-hmm. going to be by much. And I know that's going to hurt the feelings of some fans who are hoping they would tank and get a higher draft pick. So there, that's certainly one way of looking at it. But when when you look at what the Flames are doing now, they're trying to build a team that can be successful in the coming few years. You know, they don't want to tear everything down to the studs like San Jose and Chicago were doing this year. So you got to start looking at maybe a three-year window or a five-year window for the team kind of getting to the point where they want to be. And we're starting to see some of that foundation being laid now. You know, Nazem Kadri has really emerged as a leader on this team lately. Uh, someone like Connor Zary has emerged as a, a young core piece of this team. Uh, you're seeing a guy like Martin Postasil, who kind of came out of nowhere, but he's really established, established himself as a roster player. Uh, Yegor Sharangovich, you know, he's not under contract for too much longer, but he's young and he seems to be a really good fit here. So I'm sure the Flames will look at getting him extended. So when you look at what the team is kind of aiming for in that three to five year window, we're seeing a lot of good foundation being laid right now. The team's competitive. You know, they're, they're shutting out that noise, like you said. So there's certainly some positives to look at it if you want to look at it from that angle. And uh, approaching this goaltending situation, obviously with Jacob Markstrom, he still has two years left after the, after this season is done. So maybe that's complicating matters a little more, or maybe some team likes that he's got the two-year term. But then you've also got Dan Vladar, who's under contract, and then you have Dustin Wolf, who is going to need to play more than you know two, three NHL games in a season. He's going to have to get to a 20-30 mark to really see if he can be a guy for you in the future. How do you think the Flames should approach the goaltending uh, going forward with uh, three capable uh, goalies right now? I know maybe Vladar uh, is uh, maybe maybe falling out of favor here, though he gets the win on Saturday. How do you think the Flames uh, will assess this goaltending uh, over the next couple seasons here? Well, they're going to have to be really careful about it, right? Yeah. I mean, Markstrom's probably not going to be their number one guy when the team's in that sort of window that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe they want to make the playoffs in the next couple of years or at least be in the race because yeah. that's good experience for the young guys on the team. You know, you want them playing competitive hockey and Markstrom will certainly get them there. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, Vladar's still relatively young. He's under contract for another year. He's had some ups and downs this season, but the ups have been it's shown promise. And Dustin Wolf is, you know, he's reaching the point where he doesn't have much more he can prove in the AHL level. 
So at some point, something really has to give, but it really depends on how the Flames want to approach it because they could trade Markstrom and probably get a pretty good return back if he agrees to waive his no movement clause. But on the other end of the spectrum, if you want a guy who can help your team be competitive and you know stay in the fight a lot more, he helps you out a lot there. So I think the Flames will need to be very careful with it and probably take the situation all the way to the deadline for sure, just to see, you know, who this Calgary Flames team really is. Cause no one really knows right now. Like you said earlier, mm-hmm. you know, they've had some really awful stretches of hockey this year. They played really great lately and that's yeah. undeniable. So I think there's just still a little too much unknown about what this team is. And they'll have a couple more weeks up into the deadline here where they can try and figure out a little bit more. And if it doesn't work then, well, maybe they keep Markstrom for now and, revisit the situation in the summer. I mean, he'll still have trade value uh, oh, yeah. come the summer as well. Um, in the system, uh, the Flames are probably right down the middle when it comes to prospects. They're they're not one of the bottom 10 teams, but they're not one of the top teams. They're kind of like how they are now, right? In that meaty middle. And they've got some, obviously, obviously some names in this system, but a lot of them are contributing on the big club right now. You're thinking of Martin Pospisil, Connor Zari, uh, Jacob Pelche. Uh, Dustin Wolf's had a cup of coffee up here as well. And then there's Matt Coronado, who is probably the number one prospect currently, uh, who had a, a, some time in the NHL, maybe fell out of a, a little bit, just the, the, the speed of the game, trying to catch up. But he's dominant at the AHL level. Assessing the Flames' future come the prospects, there's some names in here, especially, uh, you, you know, you think of Samuel Hanzek, I think of Etienne Moran, some guys with some talent, obviously Landing Hunter, Brustevich in the trade with Lindholm as well. How do you think uh, the Flames' prospect pool is uh, going forward as they enter this retool? It's pretty solid. I mean, yeah. they don't have a lot of the, the big flashy names that some other teams like might, might be able to boast, but they've really done a good job accumulating depth and balance. You know, they've got some good prospects at forward. Uh, they have some pretty good prospects now on defense, especially after that Lindholm trade, adding Brustevich and Yoni Yermo, uh, the big Finnish defender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, there are two ways you can go about it when it comes to retooling and rebuilding. You either go for quality or quantity. And the Flames just haven't had high enough draft picks to get the really quality prospects. But I think they've done a very good job, you know, going the quantity routes. They've got a good amount of depth right now. They're going to probably get another pick or two in the Hannafin trade and the Tanev trade. So even though they're probably not going to be picking first overall this year or anywhere near there, they can at least, you know, add a few different pieces to the puzzle and, or maybe they'll try to trade some assets together to trade up in the draft. So they'll have different ways that they can approach it. But yeah, when it comes to the depth and the overall balance, there's certainly a lot that they can work with. Uh, a team used to do some coverage for the Dallas Stars. Uh, they've got two names that have been kind of interested to Flames fans, especially as Dallas starts to get a little bit closer to maybe making wanting to make a bigger move, especially maybe on the back end. I know they've shown interest in Chris Tanev. Uh, we'll see what happens with Noah Hannafin as well. But Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork, you had the tweet out earlier in the week that these two guys could be impact players for the Stars in a cup run. But do you think they could be moved in any sort of trade? And overall, just your assessment on these two players. I know Logan Stankoven made his NHL debut over the weekend. I mean, the old saying is that any player in the NHL can get traded because Wayne Gretzky himself was traded once. But I think it would take a massive, massive offer for the Stars to even consider moving a player like Stan Coven or a player like Maverick Bork just because these guys are so good already. And, you know, they've already shown what they can do. And 
it's, it's going to be very easy for the stars to slot them into their roster in the coming years yeah. as guys like Joe Pavelski eventually leave. Um, you know, Jamie Benn's contract is coming up soon. Uh, Craig Smith is a guy that's a uh, pending free agent on the team. So, I mean, and, and theoretically, if, if the stars find a player that they really think will, you know, put them over the top on their playoff run, then maybe some, one of those two could, you know, get dangled, but it seems very unlikely it's also important to remember in the cap era now that when you've got a player on his entry level contract, that's value. Kind of emerge. Oh, that's value. Absolutely. Like look at Dallas right now. You got Wyatt Johnston. who has got 40 points. Mm-hmm. He's making under a million dollars. Uh, Thomas Harley has emerged this season. He's on their top defense pairing alongside Miro Haskin. Yeah. And he's making less than a million. So I'm sure that's something that the stars are factoring into it as well. You know, if you can get Stan Coven and Bork on the roster in the next couple of years, scoring, 30 or 40 points a season <laughs> at under a million dollars, that's, that's pretty hard to, to pass up. So uh, yeah, those two have really done well for the stars. They, they feed off each other very, very well. They've been dominant as a duo down in the, the AHL and uh, Stan Coven had a really nice debut the other night against Carolina. Yeah. He was fast. He was working hard. He thinks the game at a very, very high level. His hockey sense has always been exceptional and it was fun to see him uh, against Carolina the other night because he didn't look out of place at all. You know, he was thinking and reading and reacting just as well as any of the other guys on the ice, which was a very encouraging sign about when the team does have room to add him full time, he should be able to make that jump fairly seamlessly. Yeah, that's good to see him. Jim Neal. He's uh, he's doing work there. My, me and my uh, the producer here, at GVP, we both love Dallas and we love what they're building. And we think they could seriously be a, a team to win a cup, not this year, but in the next few years as well, just the way they're they're building things. We're talking with uh, Derek Newmeyer, assistant uh, director of scouting and head Western scout over at McKean's Hockey. Yesterday, you took in the Calgary Hitmen and the Lethbridge Hurricanes down at the Dome. Not the greatest game for the Calgary Hitmen, but uh, they do have a player. They have a couple players on their team uh, that will be getting some draft love this year. Let's start with Carter Yakumchuk. Carter Yakumchuk, sorry. Uh, highest could be the chance to be the highest drafted Hitman player since Jake Bean. What will teams be getting in this uh, defenseman who's uh, already set the record for goals by a defenseman among the Calgary Hitmen? Well, the word I like to use with Yakumchuk is toolsy. He's, nice. he's just a guy who can impact the game in so many different ways. I mean, he's, he's, he's got size and strength. He's about six foot three and, you know, he's a pretty strong defender down low. He's not a pr- afraid to play physical. He's not shy about getting his hands dirty, but he's also a guy with a lot of skill. I mean, his puck control is exceptional, not just the way he's able to protect it, but his one-on-one ability to weave through traffic and beat defenders. It's very high end. He sees the offensive zone very, very well. Uh, there aren't a lot of defensemen in this draft, maybe only one other guy who is better from the offensive blue line in. Mm-hmm. He just is able to create so much offense for his team. And he also has this kind of big game mentality about him that I really, really love. You know, whether the hitmen are down by a goal or kind of lagging or they just need a spark. And this is something I've seen uh, many, many times in the last few years. Yakimchuk is the guy who can provide that. He'll just, you know, take the team mm-hmm. and put them on his back and, just make something incredible out of nothing to get them back in the game. And that's a rare kind of mental ability that not all players have and can't always be developed. So I think that'll be something that's very, very appealing to NHL scouts. And, you know, when you look at the value that teams put on big right shooting defensemen, you look at uh, the way Montreal picked David Ryanbacker fifth yeah. overall last year, Vancouver took Tom Vlander 11th overall, 
there's going to be a lot of interest in Yakimchuk, and I think he'll go pretty high, probably around the top 10 mark. And I also wouldn't be surprised if he went as high as maybe five or six. The wow. team just really likes what they think they can get out of him. Exactly, and that right-handed shot. Like, If there was an NHL comparable, you could you could kind of compare him to who would it be right now? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, maybe someone like uh, maybe like a Charlie McAvoy. Ooh, okay. Yeah, maybe a guy who's not necessarily like a superstar yeah. all the time, but he just puts up a ton of points every year. You can play him all the time. You know, he's he's got some leadership abilities. He's got just kind of the mentality for for the pros. Then they're a little different in terms of skating ability yeah. and size and things like that. But just in terms of impact, you know, how much you can play him in a game, that might be someone that you could look at as a comparable. That's a good comparable. Uh, another Hitman player uh, that could go in the top three or four rounds is forward Carson West. He's having a nice season. How, how do you evaluate this player going forward? Yeah, it's, he's been a little tricky to get a good beat on mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of years. But over the, the past couple months here in Calgary, he's really kind of found his game. He's playing on the top line now with the Hitmen pretty consistently alongside Oliver Talk. And his game is really taking off. He's very, very athletic, um, great skater. Got a lot of power to his game, uh, good endurance. He can be very explosive sometimes in a straight line. And it took him a little bit to kind of figure out what he was and how he could provide the most value. But he's been keeping his game a little more simplified right now, a little more north-south, a little more straight line. But it's been very, very effective for him because he can really beat guys in a foot race. He can really bear down and drive to the net. Uh, he's got a pretty good shot, pretty good hands and tights. Um, he's really starting to find more of an identity, which is nice to see. And I think teams will appreciate what he brings because when you start looking at the way he plays and what his physical tools are and where his game is going, he's the type of guy that's kind of easy to project forward. You know, you look at him as maybe like a second line winger or a third line winger at mm-hmm. the NHL level. And you look at the way he plays now and what his tools are, and you can really kind of envision him nicely in that sort of role. So maybe he's not a guy who draws a lot of attention in the first round or maybe even the second round. But I think teams will appreciate just what he brings and getting a better idea of what he what he is and, you know, what his kind of trajectory is looking like as a prospect. It's nice to see because it's been uh, been some uh, rough times for the Hitman there, kind of getting guys to the NHL over the last while. So nice seeing some names uh, get drafted or potentially get drafted here. Uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, over at McKean's, you guys released your top 32 uh, a couple weeks back. Obviously, Macklin Celebrini, the number one. Uh, after that, it gets kind of a, a little bit messy. Like, who do you think, I- who do you think is going to be falling out as, after Celebrini? You know, there's Sam Dickinson, um, Ivan Demidov, who's obviously a big controversy there with him playing in Russia and being on the MHL contract. Overall, how, after Celebrini, how do you like this uh, top five maybe shaking out? Well, that's really the million-dollar question right now for scouts is because you've got a bunch of guys who've really emerged as very high-end prospects, not at Celebrini's level, but a, a bunch of guys who are very close, and they really do bring different elements. You've got Sam Dickinson and Demidov, like you mentioned. Uh, Medicine Hat Tiger Center, Caden Lindstrom is right in there as well mm-hmm. as like a big, toolsy power center who can play a lot of skill game and really loves to play physical as well. You've got Artem Lomshunov, a big Belarusian defenseman who's playing in the NCAA and is yep. scoring at like a point per game. He's a kind of a physical specimen, a lot of strength and power and, you know, a lot of really untapped potential. You've got Anton Solayev in Russia, who's a six foot seven defenseman who skates like the wind. And he's been playing in the KHL as a 17 year old, which is almost unheard of. So you've got all these different guys who really have uh, 
different attributes that are very appealing and different overall profiles. So I think in the end, it's going to come down to what teams are looking for or what they need the most. Uh, Over at McKean's, we're starting to lean Dickinson as the number two guy, and he's still there in that slot in our list. Uh, The reason being is we like just his overall situation that he's in. He's a player who's got a very well-rounded package, is another big, very, very mobile defenseman, shoots the puck really well, moves the puck really well. But the London Knights are just a development factory. I mean, they produce more NHL talent than anywhere else. He's going to be getting a big playoff action with them this year and probably next year as well. They're probably going to be the best team in the OHL next year. So he's, he's just in a really good situation where his game is he's kind of perfectly placed to grow. And there are things that he needs to work on, but I just love where he's at and the, the, the organization around him. I think they'll do a really good job of maximizing his potential in a way that I'm maybe a little less confident about with some of the other guys kind of in that range. Uh, the fourth-ranked uh, WHL player you have on in the, amongst the top 32 is a name that uh, we all know very well around these parts. Uh, Tija Ginla. Uh, talk to me about uh, him having a hell of a year out in Kelowna, and he's obviously got a brother in Joe who's going to be draft eligible in the next coming years as well. But talk to me about, about Tija Ginla. Uh, I'm a big, big fan. Mm-hmm. and He's just on a, a rocket-like trajectory this season. Right from the drop of the puck and opening night, he's been great, and he just keeps getting better and better. And He's a guy that I think everyone is, is – it's undeniable now just what he brings and how appealing his game is. He just cracked the 40-goal mark the other day. Yes. And he's, he's been having an incredible season in Kelowna on a team that's not very good. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of in the middle of the pack. They struggle. They don't have a lot of depth. But he's just been a really big game player for them. Very, very consistent. Very dangerous on a nightly basis. And there's just something about the way he – thinks the game and approaches it that's so appealing like he already kind of carries himself like an nhl or he's got this confidence to his game almost a bit of cockiness but to the degree that you want to see not yeah. to the degree it's a problem um yeah, he's just very confident in himself and he's he's steadily adding different elements to his game i mean he, he started off the season as like a big shot and there you weren't really sure what else was there but he's getting better as a playmaker he's getting very good off the puck he's getting a lot better as a skater so his game is just rounding out really really nicely and his his draft stock just keeps soaring i think he's really pushed his way into the top 10 conversation now nice. and when, when you look at what he is you know you're getting an nhl player you, you, you know you're getting a guy who's going to leave an impact maybe even be a guy that wears a, a letter on your sweater down the road and maybe he's not he maybe doesn't have quite as high of a ceiling as some of the other guys around him, but you can just basically pencil him in as a, a long-term NHL or pretty confidently. That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome to hear for sure. Uh, any other WHL guys that we're maybe not talking about right now, maybe not going maybe top in the top 10, but maybe pushing them where themselves into a, a first-round position, uh, some WHL guys that are sticking out for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ryder Ritchie is a name that that, I, that comes to mind here. He's missed a lot of time recently due to injury. Uh, he's just come back, and he's looked pretty good in the games that he's played so far. And He, he was a real standout for uh, Canada at the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, this past summer. He formed a very deadly duo with uh, Berkeley Catton, mm-hmm. uh, the Spokane Chiefs uh, star center, who we haven't talked about yet, but he's another guy who will probably go top 10. Ritchie just has a lot of skill. Uh, son of former NHL or Byron Ritchie. Yep. So he's kind of got some of those NHL bloodlines and he has the same sort of work ethic like his dad did, which is really nice, but he's got more skill, really good skater, really good hands, really good shooter. 
brings a lot of different elements. We haven't quite seen him at his best this season. He struggled a little bit before he got hurt. The points haven't really been there, but he's a player who projects pretty nicely as like a top six, six forward in the NHL, so he's certainly interesting. Uh, another name to watch would be uh, defenseman Charlie Ellick out of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, opposite end of the spectrum, not a guy who's probably ever going to put up a lot of points, but he's big, he's strong, he's got a nasty streak to him, and he's very, very mobile for a defenseman. He's, he's, he skates very, very well. He closes gaps very, very well. His game is still pretty raw. His, his decision-making and his awareness and his puck skill are all problematic, but he seems like the type of guy who projects very well as a modern shutdown defenseman. Okay. He has that size and that nastiness. But he also has the skating ability that he can keep up with the faster forwards in the NHL. So he could be a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks into the first round this year, just because, you know, you, you can probably project him as a second pair shutdown defenseman, top penalty kill kind of guy. And maybe he could even be a number two on a team with a really, really good number one on his left side. Uh, I had a chance to see this guy on Friday uh, playing the Hitman uh, with the Wenatchee Wild. He he was uh, wasn't drafted last year in his first year of draft eligibility. Comes from Japan, Kenta Asogai. A lot of people are talking like, how can he be without no uh, Connor Geeky or no Matthew Savoie? He's still playing really well. Where does this guy shake out, and could he be uh, draft eligible this year? That's no, actually funny. There's been a lot of talk about him uh, internally at McKean's lately, nice. and. I'm actually doing some writing about him as well. He's he's so much fun. He's such an interesting case study. I mean, you got like you said, he's born and raised in Japan. Uh, he played in Europe before yeah. uh, going to the USHL for the last three years. Was part of the championship-winning uh, Youngstown Phantoms last year, and then made the jump to the WHL this year. So I was I was curious it's about a journey. him. To see him. <laughs> yeah, it's a journey. I was very curious to watch him, but I don't think anyone expected the offensive impact he would have this year. He's been legitimately one of the best offensive weapons in the dub. He's so crafty and creative, so much skill with the puck, and he works too. He's a big penalty killer for Wenatchee. He's very consistent. You know, he'll dig in and you know fight to get to the net. There's a lot of different elements that I really like about him. And when you look at you know his upbringing and where he's coming from, a non-traditional hockey market. You're like, okay, well, how much more development can we get of this guy, yeah. right? Because the skill base is there. Maybe with just the right hands-on uh, development and, you know, with enough time, like there could be something here that we could really, really refine in his game and make him into a special kind of player. So I'm, I'm truly fascinated as to where he's going to go in the draft. He's pushing for the top 100 over nice. at the teams right now. I think he'll probably squeeze in there. Uh, by the time we release our final draft rankings. But, yeah, this is a guy that I think a lot of teams would be very happy to take on. It's just kind of like a long-term project, just yeah. to work with the skill that he already has and see how much he can refine his game and see where things can go from there. Yeah, it feels like the, the talent's there. He's on pace for a 93-point season down with Wenatchee, who's obviously the old Winnipeg Ice, who aren't as good as they were last year, but still he's killing it down there. Uh, Derek, thank you. Uh, what's the What you got latest cooking at McKean's? Uh, right now, just getting back into the day of the day. Um, we talked about it earlier, but we just updated our draft rankings recently. Uh, we also recorded a podcast where we talked about the rankings and you know some risers, some fallers, some personal favorites with my colleagues uh, Brock Otten and uh, Josh Bell. So that'll be going live uh, pretty soon here. If you want to hear us kind of share our thoughts as to you know what we did and why we place players where they are. 
Um, now it'll just be, you know, watching a lot of hockey, uh, trying to get as many hitmen games as I can before the end of the season, doing a lot of video work and, you know, getting prepared for the uh, final draft guide that we'll, we'll release in the early summer. Derek, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll chat uh, closer to the draft season. Thank you for this and uh, all the best the rest of the season, buddy. Awesome. Thanks again for having me.